I've been thinking a lot about agency and what it means to have agency in your life and your work and your actions and how you show up in this world and and what that relates to in terms of your ability to find acceptance. Something that's been driving me kind of crazy for a while is how quickly buzzwords become like confetti and glitter and they get everywhere once a couple of people take hold of them and suddenly they become a word that once meant something to just being more filler. I've been having a hard time lately with being online and just like hearing the same words over and over again. And while I appreciate there being words for some things, words that I wish I had had before for what I was experiencing. There's something about them being overused and losing their, their, uh, I don't know, potency. And I wonder if I'm jaded by this feeling or if it's just part of my nature to be contrarian because I know that that is something I struggle with. And as the sirens go by and I'm sitting here for the first time in my adult existence feeling okay with being here and this feeling of being okay started before I moved into my new space but I didn't really know what it was until about two days after I moved into this new apartment and I I've been having these like beautiful and amazing sessions with a woman named Yvonne Smith. Yvonne is a um, hypnotherapist and she works with um, abductees and experiencers. And uh, if you don't know what that means, I'm talking about UFO abductions and um, she's a certified hypnotherapist and a UFO abductee researcher, author, lecturer, and founder of CERO, which is a support group. And I want to talk more about this, but it's so funny because I, I want to talk more about this and then I get this sudden choked up feeling 
it's a mixture of excitement, but also a little bit of terror because I don't want what I share to be, oh gosh, you know, it's like the words, the words sometimes are so hard. I don't want someone to take what I'm saying and regurgitate it out as their own fucking story because it it's like it's so upsetting that I feel like that happens so much. It's one thing when you identify, but like it's another to kind of copy and paste someone else's experience. So I'm finding the right way to talk about my experiences because it's not been a easy thing for me to do out of fear, out of fear of being ridiculed or, you know, institutionalized because that's happened. Not necessarily for me, but for members of my, you know, family for what they saw. And to have things validated through my recent experiences has been so unbelievably life-affirming. So maybe we can share that space. And I'd love to share that space and tell you my experience. But I want to set the intention right now that if you are not able to be here with open um, an open mind, an open heart, or um, with good intent. I I don't want you to listen past this point. If you're not ready, that's okay. Don't force yourself to listen to this because you feel like you need to relate. I just want to hear this. I want you to hear this without figuring out a way for you to have resistance, rejection, or um, even appropriation around it. So take a minute and drop into your heart and ask yourself, is this right for me to hear right now? And if it isn't, it's okay. And I look forward to sharing more with you soon. And if this feels right, I welcome you to stay on and hear this part of my story. Wow, it's uh, hard to believe that that recording was earlier this year. I randomly found it in my voice notes, and um, I was like, wow, I really should share that. (laughs) We're now um, almost into December of 2021. That was early May. And I think the biggest thing for me with being afraid to share is there's so much fear of judgment, of ridicule. I mean, I think there's even fear of mistrust of, uh, you know, what you'll do with me after. 
And that that's also like intergenerational trauma of like, you know, being women in my family being institutionalized or deemed crazy for the things they've seen. But it feels so important because this journey that I've been on, um, whether or not you believe in supernatural things, I mean, you probably do at some to some extent because you're here, but for some reason when it comes to aliens or ETs, like people are like, no, I draw the line. I'll believe in God, but I won't believe in another species that lives in another dimension galaxy. Um, so I'm going to give you a little bit of the short, I guess the short version, which always ends up being longer than I mean. <laughs> but, um, and I guess why I've also been so afraid to tell it was because also I didn't want to have someone kind of take it and co-opt it and share it in a way that felt disrespectful or to monetize off of it because I just, I'm so used to that. I live in Southern California. I lived in LA for 15 years and people love to do that kind of stuff. So I'm just asking, please don't, (laughs) these are the receipts. This is my recording, um, on November 28th. And I've talked about this one other time before, but I talked about it privately through a live stream on Jessa Reed's uh, Patreon. So let me get started by saying that earlier this year, I finally worked up the courage to see the hypnotherapist I mentioned earlier, Yvonne Smith. I had been wanting to see her for a couple of years now, and I just didn't feel ready. Uh, So I finally did. And it was definitely eye-opening. So let me just preface this by saying I've always thought I wasn't from here fully. I always felt this connection to other beings. I mean, I know I've had past lives here and things like that, but I've definitely had some lifetimes where um, when I've done regressions or meditations, I've been somewhere else. It did not feel like Earth. And um, when I was little, like a toddler... I used to close my eyes and almost like be able to transport myself. At least I knew I could, you know. Uh, it was like this kind of skill that I had. You know, you might be like, well, yeah, you're a little kid, you have imagination. But I also used to have these reoccurring dreams. And You know how it goes. A lot of times when we have nightmares, we remember the nightmares and promptly forget the beautiful kind of moments. And I used to have this reoccurring night terror of like these ships descending down on me and like this red light and all of these needles coming down on me. And again, when I was a toddler, um, I shared a room with my brother, who's a year younger than me, we had bunk beds, and I used to sleep on the top bunk. And oftentimes, these reoccurring dreams would happen, they were so vivid. And I would wake up, though, on the floor. I don't know how I got to the floor. I didn't wake up. I don't know if I fell. I would wake up. Sometimes I'd wake up fully clothed after going to bed with pajamas on. 
And my mom thought, like, maybe I was sleepwalking or I'd wake up in the kitchen floor, things like that. Now, this is, mind you, I'm, like, four or five years old. And I used to have these reoccurring things. Flash forward to eight years old. At eight years old, I was so sad. I was very depressed and just brokenhearted. So much so that I did not feel like I belonged here at all. Now, can you imagine at eight years old, it's the first time in my life that I thought about taking my own life at eight. I actually tried. I tried to do so in such a like primitive way and my mom screamed at me and told me I was doing it the wrong way. It was awful. I tried to take myself out with a saran wrap box, if you know what that means. <laughs> it was brutal. But no adult could explain to me why I was so sad. My mom used to say all the time that I was like Wednesday Adams, I was very morbid. I was a really sensitive kid, and I never felt like I could connect or relate. And, you know, I forced myself to be normal, sort of. I was always, like, getting into trouble, and I got into drugs and alcohol pretty fairly young, and... um you know, and it was definitely like solid addict, drug addict, alcoholic from 13 to 18 when I overdosed and still things didn't make sense. And I always saw ghosts and things like that. And then like I had like a channeling experience, a possession, if you will, in New Orleans in my 20s. Still, no one could really tell me what was going on. And then in 2012, again, short version, I had um, visions. I was having all these visions of a place, and I was convinced it was New Mexico, and I found the place in my visions. And I proceeded to have a mental breakdown. And uh, I came back to California, and there was a night where... I woke up for no reason, wide awake, and I saw this like green orb hovering, came through the window. And I was subletting an apartment in Hollywood, and I was like, that's, there's no way the lights from the cars could come up to that angle. It just didn't make sense. The room was in the back of the, like the apartment, not the front by the street. And, um, I just watched it, and it was like it recognized me in a way. It had this hummingbird flight pattern. It was just hovering, and then it zoomed around the room, and it zoomed in front of my face, and it just hovered. And then the moment I was like, okay, I'm awake, it dropped down into the floor, and it just melted. It was gone. And then there was an earthquake. (laughs) 
and then I promptly forgot about it. Flash forward, because that was 2013. Flash forward to 2021, and I finally get the courage, because I have missing time. You know, there's just, like, things I can't explain. Also can't connect romantically to anyone this lifetime, not in a good, not in a real way, you know, I've had relationships, but always I would get readings and readers be like, are you in a relationship? And I'm like, I've, <laughs> I'm not, but okay. Anyway, I go to my first session and I can see fully now the whole picture. I see that when I was little, I would climb up to my bunk, my PJs, and I'd go to sleep. And the moment I shut my eyes, this whole other world would open up and appear like a doorway. And there would always be this little being there to meet me. And they were my friend. And we would go on adventures. And we would go on these adventures nightly. Until one night, these other beings, these bigger beings, they were really tall and they had these like really kind of uniform looking coat jackets. They busted us. <laughs> and then I remember them walking me onto a ship. My little friend was around, he was there, but like we kind of got busted. I ended up on this ship with them, with the bigger ones. And I remember walking through these halls and looking in and seeing these rooms. And there were like human children, just like babies, children, different nurseries. And then there were older ones. And then there were classrooms. And I just, I was seeing this span of like seeing these different spaces. And I was like, I'm not in trouble, but I'm not supposed to be here but I'm here and um, I was getting visions and flashes of seeing like I was learning things, things that were projected into the air and I was learning languages and I was learning how to communicate and it makes sense because like during that time I was drawing a lot and I was drawing a lot of weird things and then it occurred to me what was going on. Why could I not remember this stuff? Why was I having these dreams about these things descending on me in needles? Mind you, also I had a debilitating, terrorizing fear, phobia of medical needles growing up. Um, I always had asthma and pneumonia problems. I was hospitalized like every year for lung issues and the doctors would have to sit on me to give me like epinephrine shots and things like that. I would have a really strong vasovagal response. And then I see the bigger ones, they bring me into this room, which feels like a lab. It's another type of room. And there is like almost like this pool vat of like liquid and I'm not liking this situation at all. I never felt like I was in danger 
because all like my little friend there and these other beings, it felt very like caring, you know, and I was learning, which I was excited about. And anywhere was better than where I was living in the human aspect. But I remember it, it came back to me. I was like, they, I talked too much, typical, <laughs> between my drawings and the things that I was saying to people. They didn't want me to get in trouble or to get them in trouble. So they would inject me with something in the back of the head to make me forget. And that is why I would forget. And I remember there being these other ones, these other kind of mantis-y looking like beings up above, like almost like a, you would see in like, again, an observation, like an upper observation observing what was going down below. So there was like this really intense all of a sudden, whereas before I would just have little clips of things that I thought were a dream, suddenly all the pieces came together. And then I realized what happened at eight years old. They left. I couldn't understand growing up why I had such a deep abandonment wound. Because even though I, you know, yeah, I didn't know who my biological father was, I still had a dad. I had my dad, Frank, who adopted me and raised me. But I didn't understand. And then I had other, you know, could hear spiritual teachers talking about Atlantis and feeling abandoned through that. And I just didn't relate because I always felt like Atlantis. I felt like I was observing from another dimension. I didn't feel like I lived in Atlantis. I was watching from another plane, like another plane of existence. Um, but it was because they left. And my little friend left too. And that's where the abandonment wound came from. Because they don't have a sense of time like that we do. They don't, time is not the same the way we view time. And I was like, oh, okay. So my sadness, my depression, my abandonment wound came from that moment because they left. And um, when I was having those visions and things back in 2012, it was like I could feel they were coming back. And that's when I could feel my interest again coming on again, like going, okay, there's something else out there. Because I almost shut that part of myself down for so long. Also because, you know, people I didn't want to think I was crazy or I was already weird enough. And then... Um, That was like them saying hello in 2013. And then I went deeper into, you know, I've gone again for these like hypnosis things. And um, we realized like, because I thought I was like, am I a lunatic? Like, is it possible that why I haven't had 
like a proper relationship is because I've been like holding out for this person. And yeah, like this person, this alien, this being, I made a commitment to my friend. And I know that sounds absolutely batshit bonkers probably to you, but it is the only thing that has made sense. Why then would all of, anytime I get a reading, people would insist that I was in a relationship. And I realized, I was like, oh my God, (laughs) I've been like in a relationship in this very bizarre way with like this ET. And um, (laughs) I can't believe I was saying this out loud on a platform where people can hear it. But yeah, it was the first thing that made sense. And let me tell you, after those sessions, I finally started to feel normal. I started um, those sessions in March. So March, April, and then that first recording I shared with you was in May. And it's the first time that I felt okay with being here. And, um, you know, what's interesting is right after that, I met someone. Granted, it didn't work out. (laughs) Dating humans is hard. (laughs) And I think I just, uh, I don't know. It gave me some hope to feel like I have um, some connection to something I don't understand that's way outside of my visual perception of being here. And it made me feel okay. And what's even trippier is I found my biological father, you know, four years ago. And um, through this process, I've been asking questions because it turns out that it does happen through families. And I asked him, because that was part of the intake forms when I started the therapy, was like, do you have any family members who've had these experiences? And he has. He was on a flight carrier um, from Okinawa to Korea, you know, in the 80s and 90s. And, yeah. And that sighting, he had a USO sighting, unidentified submerged object, was in the recently released Pentagon Papers where they disclose some of these sightings, which I think it's hilarious that, like, nobody's really talking about it. They're just like, oh, yeah, there it is. Like, no big deal. So it does run in families. And apparently, you know, his mother and my grandmother and, like, have definitely seen... um, or had their own experiences. So it's kind of nice to know that it runs in the family. (laughs) And now I belong to a support group, which has been extremely helpful because it's hard to talk about this stuff. And then, you know, feel okay about it. And I know it's different for everyone. Not everyone has, like, a good experience. And mine was, like, mostly good. It's a little bit of a mixed bag, but I don't know. I just felt like coming on and sharing with you that today. And 
maybe this will help some of you feel not so alone. And maybe this will send some of you running for the hills away from me. But (laughs) there we have it. I hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit about my experiencer life. And I look forward to sharing more in the future when it feels right. Take good care and blessed be. Thank you.